There's a place here at the table Your coats go by the door You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor I hope you wore elastic Cause your waistband's gonna get tight Take time's done, we're having a night Hi guys Hi guys It's Ari And Sophie And you're listening to Having a Night, the podcast dedicated to reviving the lost art of the dinner party, which you're probably not having right now because you're stuck in quarantine. Uh, When are we going to have to stop saying that? We might just have to stop saying that because this has become the new normal. That's true, except that I feel like it's helpful for people who are maybe listening in like two months. Well, you know, when our audience swells to like 200,000. And people are like, oh, I got to go back and listen to every single episode. Exactly. They'll be like, oh, that's when they were in quarantine. Got to go. Wow. Back in those dark times. Yeah. This is a vintage. We're already doing this for the vintage. Exactly. (laughs) What did you eat this week? We made some salmon that I can't get out of my head because we marinated it with... Soy vey. Oh, you know soy vey. I used to love that stuff. I love it. What <laughs> is the history of it? For people who don't know what it is, I feel like it's really only sold in like the Northeast. I used I to find it in Hawaii. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't so. think I ever saw it in Chicago, but it's like a teriyaki marinade slash sauce. It's definitely kosher. Is it like made for or by Jews who love Asian food? Because it's like the font is like kind of Hebrew-esque and it's exactly. called soy vey as opposed to oy vey. Like it's just this funny combination of Japanese and Jewish. I mean, I almost feel like it's the people who run like Sammy's Romanian downtown, right. like created a, a, a teriyaki sauce company. It's like yeah. that same font and that kind of like, I mean, it's so it's so delicious, though. If you can't it's find it, Trader Joe's makes a dupe of it. I think called like very very teriyaki or something, but it's a it's a ripoff. See if you can find the soy vey. I think they sell it in a lot of health food stores. Yes, which I tend to frequent. Um, how'd you cook it? So we grilled it, um, and we took some soy vey and then mixed it with a shallot. And like a stick of melted butter. Granted, this is for like three pounds of salmon, but just basted it and basted and basted it while it was grilling. It was so good. And then sounds amazing. And then served the rest of it on the side with some sesame seeds. I also am noticing how little fish I've been eating because it's just hard to get fish. Like if you get it, you have to eat it that night, which you want to do when you're not in quarantine anyway. But it yeah. just feels like if you're going to the market once a week, you know, anyway, I really miss fish. Well, I actually froze it, which I usually am loath to do, but I did. And I think the key is just letting it thaw really, really slowly as opposed to like a chicken breast, which you, which you can thaw in a second, like letting the fish release the water, come to room temperature, like in cold water or in the fridge for at least a day. Interesting. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Maybe I'll try it. There's a seafood truck up here that I oh. think starts in May. So I'm so excited to hop on that train. Wait, a seafood truck? Like selling prepared seafoods or selling seafood to buy? No, like selling right. selling seafood to buy, just like raw seafood. He just happens to like be out of a truck and he parks in a parking lot every Saturday. I think it's Does called he the- need an employee? 
I know, right? Well, probably not these days. Yeah, it's starting again in May. So I'm very excited for that. That feels like a very worthy use of my like once a week outing. Yes. Um, What did you eat this week? Okay. I made ricotta gnocchi and a ramp pesto because as Ari and I have said, and it's on our Instagram, it's the season of the ramps. Guys, ricotta gnocchi is like the easiest thing to make ever. It's ricotta, two eggs, some flour, salt, pepper, and some Parmesan. And they are so good. I feel like Fanny Singer actually was talking about ricotta gnocchi as like one of her kind of secret weapons. Mm. They feel so special and they're totally homemade, handmade, but they're so incredibly easy. So I did that and then I made a ramp pesto with ramps. How'd you do it? Yeah. So ramps, parsley, because we didn't have basil, ramps, parsley, Parmesan, olive oil, and walnuts instead of pine nuts. Um, Did you blanch the green parts of the ramps? No, just put them right in. Now, does blanching the green parts of the ramps, that's supposed to make them like softer? I don't know, but I'm literally making a ramp pesto right now. I just paused to come record. Oh my God. The recipe, I'm just using this little uh, New York Times recipe that says to blanch them first. So we did that. So I did them raw and it was quite spicy. So I just kept adding some of the other ingredients, but like, I find that ramps aren't as, what's the word? Like they're not as strong as garlic. So it's like, even if they have a little bit of kick, it doesn't feel like it stays with you as much as garlic does. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely like in between. And also the ones you're picking right now are sweeter or milder. And I guess that's the reason why the, the window of time that you can pick ramps is so short. It's not because they die. It's because they become too strong and inedible. Yeah, guys, if you happen to be in a part of the world where you have ramps, go out there and pick some. It's such a great way of like, (laughs) again, not going to the grocery store, but like spicing everything up. Not spicing, but just adding so much aroma. Yes. Can I tell you my story really quickly of how I found these ramps? Please tell. I was wondering. So I was really excited to go looking for them. And I thought we would have to go to like some kind of nature preserve or park or woodsy area or something, not the backyard. Mm -hmm. And Chris was out um, like playing catch with his brother yesterday morning. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to walk around the property while you do that um, and get ready to leave to go on our foraging adventure. And I like step back into like their backyard, like kind of the edge of their backyard. Mm-hmm. Where they have like some like little paths. It's just more woodsy. It's it's less um, like manicured lawn. Sylvia, I'm not even kidding. They have a gate. I go one step outside the gate. I look down. Oh, it's a whole patch of ramps. I can't believe that. Ari. It, was, I have, it was the closest thing to a religious experience I've ever had. <laughs> that is so insane. It was like I asked and there they were. That's never happened to me. And then I was like, oh, they must just be all over. Everywhere else we looked that day, nothing. Oh my God. That is yeah. so amazing. It's also like, how did they get there? Like, did a seed fly through the air? Like, how did it get there? They just grow in random patches. So it must be like their seeds must be super, super, or like they're pollen, but it's a bulb. So how could it have pollen? But like, however they spread must be just like wildly promiscuous because they end up everywhere. Yeah. But I would just, I thought they would be all over the property, but they were just in this one area. I don't know. Crazy. Wait, but you didn't pick all of them, right? No, no, no. We just, we kept it like 
10% is what we heard. Oh, that's, oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, the hall looked amazing. Did you find anything else on your forage? No, I think we have to wait a little bit more for mushrooms, but I'm really excited to do that. Foraging just feels like the next new hobby that I should embrace, you know, just feels like the right thing to be doing. Fabulous. I love that you made ricotta ricotta gnocchi and ramp pesto because this episode is all about springtime pasta and quarantine. I was just thinking, I can't believe that we've never done a pasta episode. For as much as we talk about pasta, we've never done just a pasta app. Huge oversight. I do remember somebody once being like, how are you going to keep on finding topics to talk about? And I was like, well, it's about like food and eating. So I think the topics are endless. And the fact yes. that we're finding something as routine as pasta is like, hello. I know. I mean, you uh, could have a podcast only about pasta. It'd be great. I'd listen to it. That could be our spinoff. Yes. Um, let's talk about just like pasta shapes. What is your favorite shape? Okay. My absolute comfort food is wheels, like rotelle. Whoa. With salted butter and nothing else. Wow. And not only that, they have to be like pastel dente. Like they got to be not chewy. They got to basically be like soft. So this is like your childhood food. And I made it for myself last week. Yeah. Oh my God. Are the, are the wheels even Italian? Well, they're called rotelli. Rotelli. But, uh, you know, but they, like, do they, they really serve be. those in Italy? <laughs> I highly doubt it. Yeah. It was like a bow tie. Who the hell is eating bow ties in Italy? Right? Oh, they're, they're definitely eating bow ties in Italy. Oh, they are? Oh, I guess. I think so. I feel like I've had like a farfalle in Italy with like peas and mushrooms. Mmm. Gosh, that sounds really yummy. It just just feels so silly. Okay. What's your favorite pasta shape? Well, I have to be loyal to my family because our like family pasta shape are tortellacci, which are like these big rustic tortellini which is a stuffed pasta, but my favorite non-stuffed shape, it changes all the time. Right now, springtime, I'm really into like a gemelli. Which one's that? It's like kind of thick and twisted, but it's not like a fusilli. It's not like twisted and loose. It's like yeah. tight and like chewy. Oh, also like a, like a radiator, radiatore, you know, which are like- Yeah. I mean, when you think about how many pasta shapes there are, that's crazy. Isn't that yeah. amazing? It is. I don't think it's regulated. So many things in Italy are regulated. The wine, the olive oil. I think pasta shapes, like you can invent one and that's fine. Absolutely. But, but I mean, how many are like, are, are considered classic is kind of crazy. Yeah. Penne, of course, is a classic. I love a rigatoni. Yeah, me too. Ribbed? Ribbed. Always ribbed. I don't like a ziti. Like I would rather go spaghetti than ziti, you know? Ooh, what about, I also love peachy. Looks like spaghetti, except there's a little hole through the middle. Oh, why? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the sauce gets in there, maybe not. But it's like, how do they get the hole in? I don't well, understand. It also feels like it's like twice the pasta. You know what I mean? There's something about like because it has extra like width. Yeah. Oh, so good. I mean, I love a pappardelle. Me too. I mean, of course, it's like any shape it comes in is goddamn delicious. Yes. And Ari was the one who taught me how to make pasta. I had never made it until you, as in make the dough, not boil water and put dried pasta in it. It is an honor. Um, Oh, and we're going to be doing a YouTube video this week of us making pasta. So 
look at it on our YouTube page. We're also putting it on Instagram, but you know, we're just really trying to drive traffic to that YouTube page, guys. <laughs> I know, but do people get their videos on Instagram now? Who knows? I'm just That's we're so going hard. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about springtime pasta. Well, clearly Primavera is the classic. I don't know if I've ever made it. You want to tell me your thoughts on a Primavera? I don't mind it. I don't think I've ever made it, though. Have you? Definitely never made it. I don't think I've ever had a good Primavera. I would just rather have my vegetables separate and then my pasta. Like, I don't want... People put all kinds of stuff in there. It always feels like they're just getting rid of the ends of their vegetables. True. You know, like, oh, here's some carrot and some asparagus and like maybe a pepper. Oh, definitely never put a pepper. If I do, I like when it's all one color. I like it honestly when it resembles like, I think it's Ligurium, when they make um, a pesto that has potatoes and asparagus or green beans in it. Yeah. It's one region, it might be Lombardi. I'm not sure, but that it like a good primavera reminds me of that. Like it has some vegetables in it, but they're all intentional. It's yes. not a kitchen sink situation. Exactly. I don't want the compost cookie of pastas. Ew. I want it to be clear. Right. Like if it's just asparagus, like maybe some basil, like all green things, then I can get into it. But now that it's spring, I mean, we had a huge snow up here on Saturday. So like a couple of days ago, gigantic snow. So it doesn't feel like spring is around the corner, but it is. So it's about to be, I mean, basil season, fennel season, broccoli, rob, tomatoes, all the herbs, like really yummy stuff is coming up. What would your springtime pastas be other than a primavera? I think there's so many fun things to do with mushrooms. Shrooms. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a heavy cream sauce. Mushrooms and peas, again, a really good combo. We talked about ramp pesto, but I'm, I want to do just like a simple, um, like buttered ramp situation, maybe with some white wine and some spaghetti. Um, there, if you have like spaghetti or angel hair or something really thin, I love, uh, you probably would use canned tomatoes because the to- it's not yet tomato season, but like a really light marinara sauce, maybe with some, um, uh, mozzarella in it. Oh, it's the best. Yes. Basil. It's like a, it's like a pizza pasta. Oh, it's so yummy. I know. I feel like it feels so un-Italian, like a big old like goop of mozzarella, but it's so yummy. Yeah. Like that chew. I love angel hair. I feel that angel hair is very controversial. I think angel hair is like one of the yummiest pastas because it's like when you eat a full bite of it, it's like right. so like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. much. It is almost like eating like, um, like soba or, um, yeah. you know, like a, like a rice noodle situation. Totally. Yeah. It's like, you want to take like a huge mouthful. My yeah. dad made actually an angel hair with ramps on some night recently. They're all blending together, unsurprisingly. Um, and did sort of like a buttered ramps. Oh, you know what? It was ramps and shrimp, frozen shrimp. So I guess I have had some seafood recently. Oh, um, that's a great idea. We just got some frozen shrimp. How yeah. did he do it? Oh, Martin, tell me. Oh, Martin. So sauteed the ramps in olive oil. 
took the ramps out, threw in the shrimp, sauteed them in the olive oil that was left over, added the ramps back in, and then added just some white wine. Exactly like you were saying. Delicious. And then we actually topped it with parm and parsley. And of course, seafood and cheese, seafood and dairy is often, again, quite controversial, but it really was good because it needed like, it needed some bite, like more bite than the ramps, like a little kind of, I guess, umami for lack of a better word. Yeah. Sometimes those frozen shrimp just taste like nothing and they can get watery. They really do. I know. But it was, so that was really tasty. Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys been making a lot of pasta? A fair amount. A fair amount. You know, there's uh, some vegetarians here. So there's been a lot of uh, pastas kind of happening alongside the rest of the the meal, the non-vegetarian meal. Um, A lot of alternative pastas, which I think maybe we should skip today and we can do an episode about that. Alternatives meaning gluten-free pastas? Yeah, like a chickpea or a lentil. Yeah. (laughs) No mercy. (laughs) Um, You know what I was just thinking about? Broccoli Rob, the season starts this month. The season's already started. Broccoli Rob and sausage pasta, anybody? Oh my God. Or a kitty. Another favorite. Mm, Like Jamele, it's got that chew. It's thick. Exactly. So good. Little ears or a kitty. Yep. Ooh, so good. Or I mean, yeah, if you're veg, broccoli raw, even just broccoli rob and a ton of parm and butter. So delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would you do with an asparagus in a pasta? I have had at restaurants some like shaved asparagus situations on top of a pasta. You could do probably a really nice lemony, like a lemony buttery or lemony Parmesan pasta, linguine maybe, and then put some shaved asparagus on top with like some lemon zest might be good. good. But I think like probably just blanching it and putting it in with a lot of parm maybe some, or ricotta salada and like mint, parsley, oregano, fresh Ooh. herbs. You just saying the lemon zest reminded me that was my like secret ingredient in my ramp pesto was I added lemon zest at the end to give it like some brightness and that really helped. Hot tip. Yeah. Hot tip coming at you live from upstate New York. Ooh, I wonder, you could maybe do something with ricotta and asparagus in the pasta. Oh God, I love ricotta so much. Me too. Even when you get a recipe that's like, you must buy high quality ricotta for this. You, any kind of ricotta is great. Yeah. I couldn't find high quality ricotta unsurprisingly. And I used like just the kind that's in some, like, I don't know. Yeah. And it was totally fine and delicious. Yeah. Always good. And it also like the way that it coats a strand of pasta or a wheel or whatever you're eating. Yeah. Or get stuck in the spokes of the wheel. Exactly. Oh, amen. (laughs) Yes. Have you ever had the mentaiko and shizo leaf pasta that they make a pasta pasta, which is a a Japanese pasta restaurant in New York? Which one is that? No, I think no. So mentaiko is flying fish roe and it's spicy. So it's like bright red roe and spicy, teeny, teeny, tiny eggs and then it's that with a ton of butter and really finely uh, sliced shizo leaf, which is one of my favorite Jesus. flavors in the entire world. 
It's so good. My dad used to make it a lot. I think I might have to reintroduce it. I'd have to remind him. Although where a person would get cheese a leaf up here, I could not tell you. Don't you think you might be able to grow it? Probably. Yeah. Oh, I love shizo. Okay. Two thoughts. One, what is it about butter and like some kind of Japanese fish or like fermented fish situation that is so good? I guess it's classic, right? It's like sardines and butter on bread. Oh, again, one of the best things ever. But do you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking about now sea urchin pasta, which usually is made with a shit ton of butter and maybe topped with some nori flakes. Something about that combination of like the salty fishiness, the creamy butteriness, and then like the seaweed situation or a shiso. Oh. It's excellent. It's true heaven. Ooh. Wait, second thought, uh, one of the quarantine pastas that I have on my list, meaning like springtime pastas you can make as you are stuck with limited pantry ingredients, is like a miso pasta tossing some pasta and miso and butter. And then if you have oh. nori, that can be like the poor man's version of the pasta pasta mentaiko. Where do you stand on tuna in a pasta? Um, I don't mind it. I've, I've never make it, but when it has been served to me, I'm like, huh, this is good. Yeah. I like it if it's very intentional, like a puttanesca with canned tuna, yes. but sometimes it feels like a weird addition at the end where it's like, wait, I would rather just had the pasta, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the perfect pantry pastas right now are puttanesca, obviously, because it's so easy. And those are all pantry ingredients that keep for years on end. So it's canned tomatoes, black cured olives, which, you know, you can substitute in like a Kalamata or something else, or even any Swaz olive, um, yeah. capers, anchovies, hot pepper, and garlic. Whoa, that's it, right? And of course, so much olive oil. That is delish. I mean, a bolognese is also a great pantry pasta if you have access to some ground meat. Yeah. Or we're having some ground turkey bolognese this week. See how that goes. But you could, if it goes well, try making it. If it goes well. (laughs) Or like a carbonara is a great, great pantry pasta recipe. You can do a vegetarian. Traditionally, it's with guanciale, which is like pancetta, except it's the jowl of um, the pig, the bacon from that part of its face. It's really, really fatty and good. And then you just need an egg and some pecorino or parm. I mean, it's just delicious. And it's one of these pastas that I love where the sauce is served cold and not cooked. And the hot pasta goes into the sauce and when it has an egg, it helps cook the egg. Or, you know, if it doesn't, it just warms up the sauce as opposed to having two pans or a pot and a pan on the stove at the same time. Right. So it saves stove space and it's just, I don't know, it's kind of fun to have the cold sauce in there and then just dump the pasta in. Yeah. Like a lot of black pepper on a... Carbonara? On a carbonara. A lot of black pepper on a carbonara is like, oh, what a dream. So good. Yeah. And like maybe a thickly, like um, a thickly shaved parm. So instead of doing a really thin shave, Ooh. you can even like take a vegetable peeler and peel it so that it comes off in like sh- big shavings. Yeah. Ooh, on top. Oh, wait. Did you see New York Magazine like a f- uh, maybe a month ago ran this recipe from, um, I forget whose restaurant in New York they do tableside carbonara in a mason jar. 
Ooh. And it's all fancy. Like they, I think they cured the egg yolks, which are at the bottom and some parm, and then they put the hot pasta in and then just shake it. So it emulsifies. Because if you've ever made carbonara, you spend so much time tossing, 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 but it's so genius. You just shake it. I mean, I feel like I would need a gigantic mason jar to do that. What a fun idea. Maybe I'll try making that at home. I know Melissa Clark just did a carbonara recipe that my dad really wants to try. Yum. Carbonara. Here's a quick tip or something that irks me. When you drain your pasta, it has to have a destination. Everything has got to be ready to go. You cannot drain your pasta and then just let it hang out somewhere. Of course Yes, if you toss it with olive oil, it will not stick together, but it will just be ruined. Yeah. Wait, you think that some people are draining their pasta and then just letting it hang? Well, this this is, I'm shaking my, wagging my finger at Ari. No, that's not good. It's got to have a destination. In fact, it should probably go straight in with your sauce. Like, come on. Also, if you're draining your pasta and you're not saving pasta water, you need that pasta water to help emulsify things, to help it get like really nice and coated. Yes. If you ever wonder why your pasta sauce doesn't get all shiny and coat your your noodles like it does in a restaurant, it's because you're not using enough pasta water and possibly because the restaurant added like a stick of butter. But the tossing is very important, keeping it on the heat and adding pasta water because it'll thin the sauce, but it's also like part of the pasta. It's the essence of the pasta and it's just going to help. It's like glue. It's going to bind everything together. I also, again, I will talk about spiders, those giant like web things that you can use to pull things out of boiling water. Super helpful in a pasta because you can just take out the pasta, put it right into the sauce as opposed to having to dump the entire thing into a strainer in your sink. Yeah. I rarely use a strainer or a colander for pasta. I just use, as Ari is saying- Or tongs. Spider or tongs. Yeah. Although tongs, I feel like can get a bit tricky. You don't want to smush your pasta. Also guys, please put enough salt into your pasta water. The salt has to go in like when the water is boiling before you've put the pasta in. If you're using unsalted pasta water or if you're using like a teaspoon of salt, that is not enough. It needs to be like as salty as the sea. Yeah. I do a handful. I do a handful. You also need enough water. Yeah. It's funny. Like there was something that came out recently that was like, how little water do you need to cook your pasta in? And it said very little. And it's like, no, it needs room to swim around. Yeah do a little dance to get all up in the water. You can't just have it like stuck next to its friend, you know? Yeah. There are some interesting recipes where they, it is stuck next to its friend and the water eventually like pretty much evaporates. And But you put other elements of the sauce in, which I think is kind of cool. That is very but, cool. But I'm and not it's not what we're talking about. Angie Lopez. Exactly. I'm just Sophie. <laughs> um, well, guys, this is our pasta episode so far. I have a feeling pasta may come back. We could do every other week a pasta episode. Yeah. We could do a pasta check-in. It's true. Yeah. What pastas have you cooked this week? So true. Yeah. But thank you guys for listening. We hope everybody is healthy, well, safe, etc. Send us photos of pasta that you've been making. Check out our pasta video that we'll post later this week. Visit us at Chip Hour every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. I also feel that pasta is a little bit of like a gateway food for some people. It's like the first thing that they'd have like their stamp on. Like yes. I'm shout out to my friend, Alex Goldberger, who when we were in college used to make this goat cheese 
sun-dried tomato, mm-hmm. garlic thing, you know, when it was very like, yeah, like I'm using goat cheese, you know, kind yeah. of moment. Um, it was very delicious. <laughs> but so I many it's, it's one of those like first things where you're like, well, okay, the base ingredient is easy. So then I can sort of like fool around and have fun. Exactly. Get crazy. So- that's very encouraging. Yeah. If you're, if you've been intimidated by the kitchen so far, but you're being forced to cook because of this quarantine, definitely use pasta as like your, your format, your structure, because yeah. you can really play with a lot of different things. Thanks, Sophie. Guys, thanks for listening. We love you. Thank you to Colin. Thank you to Rebecca. Thank you to Ad Large. And we will see you soon. Ciao. Ciao. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.